Hello and welcome to Opera Apero. I'm your host, Sophia Makinson, and on today's episode, we have my friend, Natalie. Hi! Today's show, we're going to be talking about an, the opera called Thais by Massonet. It's a French opera, and one, why did I pick this? Because when I was asking you about which opera you might want to, what kind of a story you might be interested in, you said, religious stuff, like monk shit. That's exactly what I said. And I was like, hmm, what has monks? What has monks? And I I, I think I told you this one doesn't, but in fact it does. That's great because actually the um, inspiration for me answering that way to you, um, there's this amazing book by Umberto Eco called In the Name of the Rose, which is one of my favorite books. And it's a historical fiction that features monks and monasteries and kind of uh, intrigue in terms of a very historical fiction based kind of uh, kind of tale and it's awesome and he's uh, rip he's a uh, um, no longer with us but he's a uh, he was a great author and great philosopher and um and so I thought it could be really cool to have uh, maybe some kind of opera that has similar themes because I loved that book so much okay cool I'm not sure if it has similar themes but we do get into some like religiosity in this one cool and what I later realized makes it even better is that it takes place in Egypt Ah, interesting. Uh, so I guess for those uh, listening along at home, uh, I have a, a university background in uh, Egyptology and archaeology, um, but now I work as an engineering manager and open source lead in tech. So uh, yeah, so Egyptology is my thing. So this is awesome that it's based there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what's my first question for you is, how do we know each other? Oh, how do we know each other, Sophia? Uh, you and I are colleagues. We both work uh, at the same uh, global e-commerce, uh, uh, let's say, powerhouse of Wayfair. Uh, and uh, and I guess we both share similar interesting uh, diasporic kind of backgrounds in terms of uh, having some kind of connection to um, our mother's homelands here in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, and we also play Dungeons and Dragons together, which is, uh, mm-hmm. has been super fun. Yeah. And my favorite part about how our work together is running the Women Plus in Tech group. Absolutely. That's been actually the, uh, the highlight, I would say, of, uh, of my time at Wayfair. And Although D&D is coming fast up over that one. 100% in second place for sure. Um, <laughs> cool. So my next question, have you ever seen an opera? I've never seen an opera. Do you know any operas? The Phantom of the Opera? That's not an actual opera. What? I'm pretty sure Andrew Lloyd Webber would uh, disagree with you. It's a musical. Oh, okay. Um, So, have I ever seen an opera? I probably then have not. Okay, perfect. Let's get into the story. Here's what happens in Thais. Okay. This opera opens on a group of monks in the desert. (laughs) Okay. Uh, and they're they're just singing and living their ascetic lifestyle um, and singing about their pious life and they're just they don't they don't they enjoy no earthly pleasures uh, and they're, they're like one of the top tier monks in this little clan is called Athanael mm-hmm. uh, and he enters he's one of our main characters so he enters uh, and he goes and talks to the leader of the of the monks because he's like one of the top monks, but he's not the leader. Um, and so he goes and talks to the, the leader and he's like, hey, I have been having these recurring dreams of this woman, this courtesan uh, in back in Alexandria. Alexandria is also the city of sin in this whole scenario. Interesting. Also the city of books, if we're looking at the Roman Empire necessarily, but just wanted to point that out. <laughs> yeah, no, not to Athanael. Athanael is like, this is a cursed city. 
they got God isn't for them. Um, and so, but he's just been having these visions and dreams of this like courtesan. And he's like, it's a sign from God that I should go to Alexandria and convert her to Christianity. Um, I think it's odd to think that you dreaming about a woman somewhat sexually means that it, you're charged by God to convert her to Christianity. Yes. I think that's very weird. That's true. So the leader is just like, mm, I don't know about that. Another exercise in patriarchy that totally is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the leader's like, I think this is a bad idea. You should not do this. I like that leader. Yeah. Um, Athanael is like, no, no, no. God is calling me. Um, I'm going to Alexandria. Okay. I don't agree, but okay. Yeah. There's many problems with his behavior. Um, and hold on, how far are they from Alexandria? Does he have water? Is he riding a camel there? Like, how exactly does he does he have a plan? We'll find out what his plan is in Act Two. I see. <laughs> I'd rather actually Act One. Uh, so he heads off to the city of Alexandria, um, and he gets there, and he's actually from Alexandria. So he goes and he hits up one of his old friends, Nicias. Uh, Nicias, and he, he goes, Nicias welcomes him, they, like, catch up, and Athanael is like, this is my plan, I want to convert this woman to Christianity. Um, also, mind you, Thais is known as a devotee to the goddess Venus, mm-hmm. and, like, everyone knows this about her. Everyone, she's, like, the best courtesan in the whole city, and she's, like, this devoted person to this god so uh, yeah the time period that you're that this uh, uh opera is taking place in place in is super super interesting from a religious point of view because the roman empire actually did have there's a um, the famous uh roma, roma um constantine uh, on his deathbed converted to christianity himself and there was a huge huge um let's say gathering or court um at nicaea or is it nicomedia shit I forget which one it is. Um, I think it's Nicomedia. But basically where they talk about this idea of should should Christianity actually be like the official religion of, of the Roman Empire, there's probably going to be a better Roman history buff listening than, than me right now um, that can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, like I said, the timing is really interesting because uh, in ancient Egypt, a whole uh, religious structure there is 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 many gods in t- in terms of what they can wo- what you worship and and what they actually represent and what you should actually be either you know making sacrifices for or, or being uh, um, devout for. And so, what's interesting here is that uh, you have the same kind of monotheistic structure. Wait, mono means one. Mm-hmm. Damn. No, the other way. <laughs> Poly. Polytheistic structure of religion still in the Roman Empire, which means actually it's still a pagan-based mm-hmm. uh, empire specifically. So the timing of this opera is actually very cool. Just wanted to point that out. Nice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So she's devoted to Venus. And um, so Athanael presents his plan. He presents his plan to Nicias. And Nicias is just like, ha, 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 ha. Nice one. You can try that. Also... Turns out Nicias is just like, fortunately for you, I'm actually uh, Thais's current lover because I, but unfortunately tonight is my last night as her lover and because I can't afford her anymore. Oh, because she's a courtesan. I was just like, what? Yes. I love the word courtesan. I <laughs> know I love that word so much because it's just like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a prostitute, but uh, it's classy and they're just like. It, it, it's it's merely someone uh, offering their services in exchange for money. It's very it's the early signs of capitalism. I love it. <laughs> Great. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. So 
Nisius is like, well, I'm her lover, and uh, tonight's my last night with her. Um, we're having a feast slash party kind of thing uh, to celebrate. You can come. Because he's kind of just, like, intrigued that he wants to see how this Athenael's plan goes. They head to the party, and um, at this point, Thais makes this, like, dazzling, spectacular entrance because, of course, she's, like, a very glamorous lady and very fabulous. And then, like, her and Nysseus sing about, like, how they're so sad it's their last night together and how, like, beautiful it's going to be. And then, and then Athanael, and then Thais is like, who's that frumpy dude? And, you know, like, he just doesn't fit in with the rest of us, like, very glammed up people. Totally with the bowl cut and, like, the, you know, ragged mm-hmm. robes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, he has, in, one of, in the production I saw, he has dreads. What? Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about that that I can't articulate right now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but still very raggedy. Um, and so Nisius is like, this is my friend Athanael. And Athanael is like, yeah, I'm here to like convert you from your life of pleasure and happiness to Christianity. Does you- he use the word happiness? Um, you know, they use like fancier opera terms like joy and stuff. <laughs> the words right but it's something like this okay he's just like you need to live a more uh uh not as extravagant lifestyle more pious like him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah just bare bones sure just yeah just raw dog in reality (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and so she's just like are you kidding (laughs) and she's just like cracking up and then at this point she has this great scene where she just sings this really like seductive and like luxurious dance about love and pleasure and enjoying all of these like earthly delights, okay. which is kind of like a big fuck you to him, right? Mm-hmm. And how does he react to this? Oh, he gets like mad and storms out. I see, uh, but he's okay. His whole plan was to come and say, "Give up the life you enjoy." And she would just naturally follow because of how pious of a man he is. So simple, yet so ineffective. I have a question <laughs> around uh, Athaniel having a friend like Nisius, if that's how mm-hmm. I pronounce it, mm-hmm. um, be this man who also seeks out pleasure and happiness, but he does not. Surely he can't just hang out with any old courtesan humper. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, maybe he's, like, a means to an end. Hmm. Because, like, they're, like, old BFFs. Uh, Athanael's, like, past life before he, like, became... He pursued his religious route. Oh, so he used to be... He he had a pre-monk time. Yeah. He was born a monk. Uh, but, you know, a lot of... Are uh, people uh, born into monkhood? Well, I would say no. Uh, but at the same time, the, the usually the journey begins quite young. Hmm. As in, once they reach manhood they usually make the decision to stay for example celibate and pursue the path of god okay that's definitely something i've read about in let's say more ancient or medieval times let's say Mm -hmm. actually not ancient medieval only um i think but these days who knows i don't know a monk these days so i'm not really sure no clue yeah so he storms out end of act one act two opens up and it's after the party, and Thais is by herself in her, like, chamber, uh, and she's like, has this, like, fire glowing, and she's, like, doing some kind of um, spiritual exercise, 
uh, to Venus, and then she's like singing about like the emptiness of her life and um, how she's worried about her beauty as she ages, and kind of like praying, singing to Venus slash herself about uh, trying to feel better about this. Wow, I feel um, that in down in my soul. <laughs> yeah, you know, a woman can't be beautiful when she's old, so she's gonna lose her value, right? Of course. So. Well, yeah, and also her whole identity and her whole reason for being, et cetera. It's all tied into, you know, the fact that she's identified as beautiful and youthful and Mm -hmm. thus worthy of anything. Mm. Pretty much. And so, obviously, a vulnerable moment. Athanael comes back at this very moment, but before he comes back, he prays to God and he's like, God, protect me from her beauty. He's Mm. like, shield my eyes. Interesting. So that I may not be tempted. I mean... Where does self-control ever come into these stories? It's always on God mm-hmm. to provide it. My gosh, like that's so telling, isn't it? So telling. Humans are weak. I mean, there is one side of that, the human population that would think is weaker. <laughs> so <laughs> in case it wasn't obvious to the listeners at home, I am a militant feminist. <laughs> This is a feminist podcast. <laughs> Great. <laughs> he does his little prayer to God. He enters, and then he starts, like, talking to Thais and trying to, like, convince her to, like, come with him and convert to Christianity again. And But his new tactic, he adds this argument where he's like, listen, like, the love that God provides to you is, like, eternal and pure. And because she's just been very, like, concerned about how, like, the love of her suitors and the people around her is going to fade as she ages, this is an argument that really strikes home. Yes, but also, like, how does that address her insecurities about the way that she looks and her beauty? Oh, because, you know, if you have the eternal love of God, then you're not going to worry about aging? Um, okay. I I mean, I'm not convinced. (laughs) Well, it gets better. Oh, gosh. Basically, the argument hits home to her, and she's like, okay, you know what? Go uh, go out, leave me, and I will, like, think about it. And Ponder. Um, yeah, she's also like, don't let Nysias come tonight because I need to be alone and to think. And so Athanael goes, and he just kind of, like, chills outside her place and waits for her. That's um, very stalkerish. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really have anything else to do in the city. Like, I mean, that doesn't matter. <laughs> You mean he doesn't have anything else to do but, like, sleep? Yeah. He could go and find a very holy place in that city and pray. It's the city of books. He could read more on the scriptures of his God. I mean, I just thought of three things for this nincompoop to do. Yep. (sighs) Okay. Yep. Um, So so she makes her decision that she's going to leave with Athanael. Just like that. Yeah. She's just like, yes, I want eternal love. That sounds great. Sign me up. So she goes outside, meets him. And um, because he had to dismiss Nysias earlier, Nysias is kind of like catching on that she might be like leaving. Also, I'm not 100% sure how this happens because it's opera. But like suddenly the people have also started to catch on that she might be leaving the city. The Um, people as in the populace. Yes. Um, Is she well-liked in the city? Is yeah. she popular? I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. People know her, They're, and they, they love her. Like, she's so beautiful, and, like, they don't want to lose her. Interesting. Um, yeah. She's like a, 
a member of society, a prominent member of society, a noble woman. Mm-hmm. Right, a noble courtesan. Yes, yes. I like that <laughs> juxtaposition. <laughs> so uh, she's made this decision to leave, and now, now that she's made the decision, she's like, "I'm in." Athanael is like, "Great, destroy your life." Um, and he's like, "You need to burn everything, uh, and like, you can't have any extravagant clothes." Um, and she's reluctant, but she, like, burns her, like, home. She sets it on fire. Uh, and then they're, like, again about to head out. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, that little trinket that you have in your hand, she has, like, a little trinket that, like, uh, Nicias, her lover, gave her. Mm-hmm. She, he's like, you can't you can't have that either. Uh, like, and she's like, but it means so much to me. Like, it's just, like, the most important, like, thing. And he was like, nah, you gotta, you gotta ditch it. And so she, uh, she does with a little bit of, like, resignation. Mm-hmm. Um and Nicias comes in, and he's like, oh, you can't leave. And then they sing, and she's just like, yeah, but I want to. And so he's kind of like, all right, well, if this is what you truly want, I will let you go, and I will also help uh, distract the crowd so that they don't catch you. Um, because, of course, the crowd would definitely, like, catch her and, like, keep her in the city or something. But I'm just – this is just feeling a lot of feelings right now about that whole scenario. This poor woman, where is her agency? Well, she just made a decision to leave. But at the whim of this idea that people are playing into her own insecurities, her own desires, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess that's an interesting way to turn the tables in her own right, I guess. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. And, you know, it's also really cool because Nicias is just like, oh, this is what you want. I respect that and help you. Yeah, he's the dude, right? I mean, not, not this monk guy. Like, Nicias seems like... <laughs> Athanael's trash. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, end of Act 2. Okay. Act 3 opens up. Thais and Athanael have now been walking in the desert for an indeterminate amount of time. And Thais is just exhausted and tired, and she's hungry, and she's thirsty. And and Athanael is like, I have no sympathy for you. You have to keep walking. We have to get you to this convent. Yeah, they're walking her to a convent where she will just be like with a bunch of nuns. And then she'll learn Christianity. Okay. Yeah. And she... Knew that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, really questioning this woman's choices. I know. <laughs> They're walking, and then eventually her, like, foot starts to bleed, and this is the point where he's like, all right, I guess we can, like, rest for a little bit so your foot doesn't bleed out. And then she's just like, you know what? Like, I'm tired, and this is difficult, but, like, I'm really excited, still enthusiastic, still pumped to um, learn Christianity, be a good Christian, and I'm still thankful to you for, like, doing this. And, like, that's her, that's her attitude at this current moment. Okay. Um, so they get to the, the convent, and they uh, part ways. They say goodbye, and she, he's just, like, so glad to see you, like, take this path. Uh, good luck. And he... Not, no longer bleeding foot, no, no, I'm no. guessing. Yeah, she's, she's fine now. Perfect. But so she goes in, and Athanael is like, wait, I'm probably not going to see her again. Right. <laughs> and then he gets upset. And he's, like, a little, like, sad about it. But now that he's, like, done the thing he set out to do, you know, the thing that God supposedly, like, suggested he should do in his dreams, he heads back to his, like, group of monks and is, like, all right, back to normal life. I did my thing. However, fast forward three months, and he is tormented by dreams of Thais every night. He can't stop thinking about her. He has tried everything. And when I say tried everything, what I mean is like a higher level of asceticism. So more fasting, more prayer, 
More flagellation. I was about to say, is this a self-flagellation type of monk thing? Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and despite all of this, he's still thinking about her. And, I mean, this is the guy that doesn't have, uh, you know, this idea of con- control, this, this idea of accountability. He's the one who's, like, praying to God to make sure that her beauty doesn't, like, warp him into, into mm-hmm. you know, doing ludicrous acts. This guy's weak. So weak. Mm-hmm. The, the pinnacle of this, like, dreaming of her all the time is one night he has a sexy dream of her. I know. And in the same sexy dream of her, he hears voices that say that she's dying. Oh, gosh. And he's just like, oh, that's my breaking point. He's like, I can't handle it anymore. And he, the next day, he sets off towards the convent to, like, go find her and, like, get her back. Back to what, exactly? Walking through the desert? Him. I see. Because he's like, I need to be with her. Oh, God. Yeah. Because, spoiler alert, he was actually just in love and, like, turned on by her the whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was like, no, 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 I'm making her pure now. So he goes to the convent, he gets there, uh, he's received by the nuns, and as he's received by the nuns, they're like, oh yeah, she's on her deathbed, like, but the last three months have been great. Like, she really took to Christianity. In the, like, three months that she was in this convent, she became, like, one of the top-tier nuns. They were just like, she's so pure, she's so pious, she's so virtuous, and they were really, like, they were, they, like, named her one of the best nuns in the whole area. Oh, wow, employee of the nuns. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she's like the best nun, but right now she's dying. We, we don't know why she's dying. She's just, she's like exhausted from her virtue or something like this. Or um, the walk in the desert. Or she could have caught syphilis from her many courtesan um, exploits. I mean, really, the, the, it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's dying and Athanael rushes to her deathbed and is like, I was wrong. I was wrong about the love of God. The, like, love of people and, like, enjoying and living for, like, the joy and connection with other people is good and right. And because that's, like, how he feels because of her. Like, he really does, like, love her. And then, because she's dying and is so pure and virtuous, she doesn't really, like, hear him. And she's just, like, singing about like the love of God and like how she can like see her entrance to heaven opening up and she can see like the pearly gates and and so yeah she sings about her ascent to heaven as it, as she dies and so that's like her last breath and then he's in despair and he's just like god shit okay and that's the opera okay so sh- uh. yeah he has nothing left now all right and neither does she and also she's dead Mm-hmm. So it's actually not worked out good for anyone, not for her, not for him, not for the city and the populace of Alexandria losing their famous uh, most beautiful courtesan, mm-hmm. not for Nicias, his apparent friend who like lost his lover. Wow, this is it's all really only tragic, no? I just got that idea of the the god Dionysus, technically a Greek god, uh god of wine, god of pleasure and excess. Uh, and uh, and so it's really really cool they would always uh, in a lot of kind of mythological tales, uh, paint him as, or paint an image of him actually amongst like a huge crowd of people, like maybe um, indoors somewhere celebrating something. And there's a lot of food, a lot of wine, a lot of people naked and just kind of like pleasuring each other. Yes, absolutely. Pleasuring each other and themselves and all, all, all sorts of things. Um, and that kind of gratuitous excess like that, that he represented. And I can only imagine that like, 
the the I guess the difference between like her life then to what her life becomes is something like that Dionysus picture versus completely scrubbed clean and an image of absolute purity and and mm-hmm. and, and piousness and that actually. It's sad to me that that's the path she chose because it wouldn't be the one I'd do, I would choose. <laughs> Same. Also, just the extremes are just nothing you would really even think of. I mean, if I had to was told that I had to walk through the desert without any food or water in order to, to eventually get to this everlasting love and piousness, I don't know if I would take up... That offer, I don't know if I would go on that journey. That's hard, and I would know my. I would want to think. I would. I would want to think. I would know my own limit, regardless of my ultimate desire to want that everlasting love. Let's say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have an ultimate desire to also not have to grow too old and, and lose more, uh, my my uh, below average beauty. I would. I would say. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, if I have to do something really hard to achieve that, I'm probably <laughs> not going to do it. You know, like, not not worth it. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. So you're like, I can be old. Yeah, I can be old. I can be wrinkly. I can be, you know, an older cat lady. That's fine. That's the natural way of the world. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to follow the natural way. It's, again, also about what you want to. So if I didn't want to follow the natural way um, or say that, for example, that's the way I'd be happy about mm-hmm. accepting that. Then it could just be because I am in my own world. <laughs> but what I like about this one is that it's always like the man is like the religious guy who's like setting this like wayward woman on her way. And then it's like, no, no, no. She was always the like pure one. You weren't like, I actually interpret it a little different. It's more like that. you very, very uh, obvious Adam and Eve tale where the man is the pious one, but the woman poisons him to not be. Because mm-hmm. women are inherently, I don't want to say word, word evil because that's not the point there. It's more like there is a flaw because the women were the ones, or Eve was the one that succumbed to the apple, you know, the, the uh, pull of the apple in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to Adam, who is this pure ultimate man, mm-hmm. completely like fashioned in the eyes of God. And then it's actually Eve's fault, everything that happened to Adam, as opposed to him having any agency over his own desires, needs, and wants mm-hmm. or thoughts. Um, that's kind of how I interpret it, that she is like poisoning Athaniel into these thoughts, even though she was able to overcome that herself and become the pureness that he, I guess, aspires, uh, like aspired to. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. That opera is kind of sad. In more ways than one, like sad because everyone loses out in the end, but it's also sad that that those were the choices that could that were made. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, her life is like sad to us because she's dead. But it, it if we really believe that like this is the path she wanted and she's truly happy as she's like ascending into heaven, then I think maybe that is a happy ending for her. Hmm. Maybe. But at the same time, with Athaniel coming there to her deathbed to talk about how the everlasting love of God was actually, like, not true and a lie, um, her getting – her 
her decision or that have, making that decision around something that she wanted is actually based on a lie. If we well, think of it from his lens. From his lens. Sure. Yeah. But maybe he's because he never really believed in it. Or maybe he's like, I just think he's not as pure as her. Hmm. I think he's not as pure as he thinks he is. And he's not as pure as her. And yeah, I don't know. I like this opera because I feel like it really makes it seem like the... It, yeah, I think it goes against exactly what you said. Is that like women are the evil ones? Like, I think this one is like, no, like they're not actually the evil ones. Like, she is just being herself. Like, yeah, she's not courting him specifically, and yet he thinks about her. He comes all the way out to Alexandria to find her, and she like makes this decision to like pursue this other life, and it works out for her, but like nothing will work out for him. Interesting. I think it's also. That whole juxtaposition of from whore to saint, almost, Mm -hmm. right? It's always a theme there, always a theme, uh, because being a courtesan, being being a woman of the night, so to speak, um, seems to be the utmost treacherous kind of occupation that you could uh, embody in the eyes of God, it seems so. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the opera. And in the opera, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, Do you get, like, a book to follow along with so that you understand that all of this is happening? So actually, nowadays, they have subtitles in the opera. Um, So on like online videos, they have subtitles so Mm -hmm. you can understand what's being said. But in actual opera houses, they have sir titles. So they'll have like a little uh, banner thing at the top of the stage that shows what's being sung as it's being sung. Interesting. Um, I think even like the German opera houses that here have one surtitle in English and one surtitle in German. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. But that's a really good question, too, because here's the other thing, is that before they had this, like, new technology of, like, adding live script to shows, people actually had to look up plots beforehand. And I know this because I one time found an old book that was just a book of opera plots. And I was like, why would anyone need this? Like, they have subtitles, or we we can, like, look it up. And then I was like, oh, no, no, no. Olden days, you had to like look it up in your book of opera plots and see. And so it has a breakdown of like by act and possibly like by scene what's happening with mm-hmm. all the characters. So you can like know the story beforehand and then go in and enjoy it. And so there would never be anyone like there wouldn't necessarily be a recommendation to go in without the opera plot prep, let's say. Hmm. Because a lot of times when they sing, you even if you like don't understand what they're saying, like the way they're singing, the way they're acting it out, uh, you can usually kind of pick up on emotions, like sure. emotional intelligence. Also the music that's accompanying it, right, can be very, Correct. very powerful. But but again, I guess the point then of the opera isn't to hear about the story, but it's to be moved by it mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I actually, so like I love opera because of the plots that are just, as you can see, quite ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But like because they're so ridiculous, they're able to elicit such grand emotions and the characters have these grand emotions and then they're able to sing them out and like then it kind of like taps into something that's in 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 the audience that is interesting um thank you for being on the show oh thank you for having me it's been a delight and um thank you to everyone for listening this has been opera apero and feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and if you like it share it with a friend share it with friends Yeah, multiple. (laughs) Thank you. Tschüss. Bye.